Hello there. Welcome. This is a special edition of To a Certain Degree called Odd Numbers. Lucky episode number 13. Episode lucky number 13. I'm not sure. Every other Monday, my guest and I choose a theme. We play some music and we chat. There's no guarantee we stay on that topic or theme. But whoever stays on any topic or theme? Well, for this one, it was the power of putting yourself out there. And my guest couldn't be a better guest for that topic. Bob Codges. You may know Bob from his work at SAC Comedy Lab, where he performs and instructs. He also facilitates and speaks at a lot of organizations around the Orlando area. Everyone who meets him is a fan of his. That might be an exaggeration. You're probably going to be after you listen to this episode, though. I can nearly guarantee that. Ah, you know what? I guarantee it. One technical note, we had an issue with the first segment of the show, and unfortunately it didn't come out. I was brilliant, though, I assure you. For more on this episode, please visit toacertaindegree.com. And now, on with the show. The Decemberists on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. My name is Nick. I do this every week from 7 to 9. I'm just going to start over because we had a little bit of a technical difficulty with the first uh, segment. But uh, every week I have a very special guest. Bob Conges is here. Good morning, Bob. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Now repeat everything you said earlier. I was in, born in Four sentences. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, we had some issues with the music playing uh, underneath us. So uh, if you couldn't hear us, my very special guest, Bob Codges, he's here. You can look him up at flightofideas.net. Our theme today is the power of putting yourself out there. And would you say you're a professional at that? I, I'd like to think I am, okay. uh, but to say the truth, I think I think I do it in all parts of my life, both professionally and personally. I I have grown to love discomfort, and I get more comfort out of discomfort than most people. So putting myself out there actually uh, inures me to future experiences. Uh, so you started, you put yourself out there. We talked a little bit that, about this in the first uh, segment um, 20 years ago. With left, left the corporate world. Your organization, Flight of Ideas. Uh, you've been doing that successfully for 20 years now. Yeah. When did you start doing improv? Was that before No, that was I left, out? I left the corporate world and I started an improv. It was about a year later. Okay. 2000 was when I really became involved with SAC. And, uh, and that was, okay, that's a good example of putting it out there because I saw performers at SAC at Leadership Orlando and I said, I want to do that. I actually stalked them out in the parking lot and said, you guys are awesome. And they're like, no, you're awesome. You need to do this. And I'm like, I need to do this. And so I went and took my first class. Uh, Ryan Smith was my, my first improv teacher who really loved the art form so much that it made it a pleasure to step into it. And I've been an advocate ever since. I'm always encouraging people to step out of their comfort zones to take a class because this, if you want to be comfortable with the uncomfortable Take an improv class because you will feel discomfort when you start because it's a new skill set. But this new skill set teaches you how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations and work it out. You should take an improv class, my friend. You need you need to come perform. I in what sense? Like when you're saying that to someone or to me, what do you mean? 
I think you need to take an improv class because you're funny and you're fast, and and I think that you would enjoy this art form as a form of expression. In many so I'd be a good student. Yes, what you're you looking would. for is a good student. Uh, yes, I, see. I would say that you, you don't would want be... challenging students. <laughs> that you are. I really do. I think I think that you would. I think you would love the art yeah. form and you'd be good at it re- relatively quickly. Other people, I recommend it because. They need the skills that they really, you know, in order to get out of their shells or to be able to stay in the moment or to be able to deal with the unexpected things that life throws at us because life isn't what we expect. It's what it is. Well, and the idea of today's theme is to put yourself in a position that you normally wouldn't. Right? Yeah. And the underlying message of improv and the, the uh, theme of it is yes and. Yes. Is always putting, you know, don't say no. Right. Because when you say no, you're ending the story. You're ending the conversation. So exactly. um, in many ways that applies to what's this event going on that I've never been to? What's this class I might take that I've never uh, done before? That sort of thing. I, I love immersing myself in environments full of people who are unlike me. Uh, and the beginning of this year, it's been a crazy beginning to the year. I've I've done uh, nine. And it's pro- March. I know, so it's right? It's been like two months. I know. This is what blows my mind. I've done nine pro bono gigs already this year, and it's March what third, fourth, yeah. right? Um, and uh, but a lot of those pro bono gigs have put me into situations where I'm in rooms full of people who are not like me. Like I did uh, a retreat for the board of Orlando Gay Chorus. Okay, and mind you, these people are very much like me and very much not like me. Uh, I did uh, a number of listening sessions uh, where I was listening to members of the black community and members of the Latino community and uh, really finding myself learning and listening a lot more than I was speaking, which is probably a healthy thing for me anyways. Uh, But I find whenever I'm in these environments, as long as the people in the environments are forgiving and kind, because I'm going to make mistakes when I'm in new environments, no matter, Mm -hmm. well, in, in any environment, human being people, we make mistakes. So uh, I understand that you make mistakes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So does everyone who I encounter. I, mean, I may be a professional at that. Actually, I can screw up, but I believe that excellence is not in doing it perfect the right time. It's in the recovery. <laughs> that's right. That's what I say, anyways. So. So yeah. So I, I do believe that um, anyone who wants to really benefit from all that life has to offer has to step out of their comfort zone and put themselves in environments and in situations that they've not experienced before. That's what, that's what growth is about. Uh, and guess what? Change happens. Change is real. And if you want to be able to deal with change better, then start becoming a change master. Put yourself out there and create the change yourself before it is done to you. Uh, you'll find you're better equipped to deal with it when it shows up in your life. Are there situations, I know you do a lot of pro bono clients, some you seek out and some uh, seek you out, um, but you also do a lot of professional engagements as well where you... Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, you do one-in-one, right? You try to get right, so for every pro bono or vice versa. It's you a get buy paid. one, give one. You, yeah. you, for every paying client that I have, I offer them the opportunity to gift me to a not-for-profit of their choice. And the funny thing about that is I have a number of clients who just don't gift me. And so what I do to compensate for that is I say yes when people are in need and I can afford to help and it's a cause that I care about then I'll just say yes. So I've, I've actually had a lot coming through my buy one, give one, and I've had an increasing number just coming from showing up at my door and asking, will you be willing to help us in this way? And I get to make the decision. And guess what? More often than not, I say yes, because yes is a way of life. And I find that 
Uh, if I say yes more often than not, I experience the juice that life has to offer more often than not. So if, even in the giving sense, especially in the giving sense. Yeah. You, uh, Anne Frank said you, you can't go poor by giving. And, uh, and she was right. I mean, I've explored this since 2012 when I made it a professional corporate policy. Uh, but I've really since 2009 been giving it away like crazy. And, uh, and other people will tell me, too, people won't value what you do if you give it away. Uh, that's a lie. That's a lie that we tell ourselves when we're strapped to cash. People value it greatly. And the, the gratitude that I get is very often worth more than the paycheck I get when I do it for pay. And that sounds Pollyanna, but let me tell you something. It's, it's the real deal. It, the, the flow is a beautiful thing. I sleep well at night, and the world is getting changed an inch at a time by the things that I'm given. Yeah. There are countless examples probably, and I have one I was thinking about of – uh, circumstances where you were like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, whether that's go to an event or uh, work with a particular client. I don't want you to name any clients who were like, oh, I don't want to work <laughs> Oh, I'll with name them. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to go to that radio show with Nick, but uh, I guess I will. Um, but so w- do you have some examples of like you were reticent and then you went and it was a mo- mind-blowing experience, or at the very least you got something out of it you weren't expecting? Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of examples. I think. Um, <laughs> okay, this is kind of a silly example, and uh, my apologies to the Crayola Corporation. Uh, but I actually was in a hotel, and the Crayola Corporation was having a conference at the same hotel. I was doing a different conference, but uh, I really wanted to meet some Crayola people. What I really wanted is I wanted to meet the people who name the colors. I literally snuck into this conference and started asking people if they knew who the people were who named the colors. Uh, and I got stared around in circles a little bit because they had been drinking rather heavily at that point. <laughs> um, but I had the greatest time after I had the guts to actually just slip in yeah. as if I was one of them. I also got outed by one of them and was asked to leave a short while later, but, uh, but totally worth it. And while I was there, I was one of them. I never actually found the people who named the crayons, uh, but I'm still on the quest. I'm going to I'm gonna find my way to eventually. eventually. Yeah. That is very similar. I think I was sharing this uh, story with you about the Association of Writers and Writing Professionals yeah. conference. I was visiting a friend last year in Tampa, and they were having this conference, and we wanted to spend time with him. He's from Alaska, so I don't get to see him very often um, because we're on opposite ends. Yeah, literally, literally right? Um, yeah. So he was in town for that because he works at the Alaska Press, the University of Alaska Press. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Why don't you, you can hang out. You can walk around Tampa. You can come to this thing. Uh, if you want to get in, you have to pay. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just sneak in. And I did. And it was essentially either 600 or 800 book fair tables. I didn't realize that you snuck in when you told me that story. Oh, yeah. I thought you were just like in, came no, in as a no. guest. No, he didn't have an extra thing. And, we have uh, to do that together sometime. Uh, we should, just wherever it one, is. We'll crash it. Uh, that would be so much fun. <laughs> So, so, so you love this, though. You, you had uh, a blast. It was, what was neat about it is I'm always kind of reticent to go to an event where I think people are going to be selling because I don't, I always feel guilty about not buying something. I always feel like I don't want to talk to the person if I'm not going to buy it because I feel, you know, that sort of thing. But after, you know, doing um, Maker Fair Orlando and going to more of these events where I get to interact with people and then doing markets myself, so that was right. a big thing for me in, in 2018 was going to markets and talking to people and seeing that 
exact reaction, like kind of, uh, uh, you know, putting the blinders on and walking past really quickly while trying to look at the table. Um, <laughs> but the people at AWP, they couldn't care less if you were buying or not. They just wanted to talk about their books. Because for the most part, people there were other publishers. So there's very little purchasing going on, right. very little direct selling. It was, here's an author, here's a book that we're working on, here's something we're excited about. That's actually where this T-shirt came from, uh, cool which is one of my favorite T-shirts. Yeah. So I spent, I think, upwards of eight hours at the conference that day. Radio audience, just so you know, uh, Nick is wearing a T-shirt that has a puffer fish mm -hmm. on it. And it says, unreliable narrator. Uh, and when I took a look at it, I thought, that's a cool shirt. And now I know where he got that cool shirt. Yep. So that's And awesome. now you know I'm an unreliable narrator. <laughs> well, which I we, think I, I think didn't. Most of us knew that. I didn't want to admit to the audience members, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Well, I'm, I'm the son of the 68th Diamond Direct Distributor of the Amway Corporation. So if you want to talk about witnessing people avoiding being sold, uh, I had a childhood full of that where uh, my dad literally bought a house that would house his Amway products and lived a life of, of a successful Amway dude. I mean, he used to go on cruises with Rich DeVos and Jay Van Andel when yeah. I was a kid. And, uh, and so I, I got to witness a lot on planes. You know, people would say, hey, what do you do for a living? And he says, well, I, I, you know, I'm an Amway distributor, and they'd pretend they were sleeping because you know, a lot of people weren't really into having someone from Amway recruit them. Right. Uh, but I got to witness a lot of really cool things. I got to witness uh, my dad wowing an audience of people inside my own house while selling them SA8 detergent and, uh, and shoe shine, shoe polish. Because you know? it was never about that product. It was about the, the organization and the, the relationships that you have. Right. And the, yeah. You sacrifice all for the tribe. You know, yeah. it's like you make friends to make business associates sometimes. And, uh, and there were some good friends doing good business in there. And I, I would not knock the Amway Corporation because it was very good to my family when my family was involved in it. But it's a different kind of a culture. And it's a culture of constant selling. You know, and uh, and so you witness people uh, who are not wanting to be sold react uncomfortably to those who really want to sell. You know, so I relate to what you're talking about in terms of that whole dynamic of people not turning their heads away yeah. as you approach because they know you're going to try to sell them something. You know, it's a when having done some of that, my family uh, owned some retail space in Daytona Beach, and so it was gift shops. And so we would go to the surf shows, and then my dad eventually created his own line of jewelry, so I would help him out doing the like, surf expo and stuff wow. like that. I hated that because it meant that I had to sell. It meant that I had to be outgoing at a time where I was very much an introvert. So going in and doing markets with the 3D print stuff and the typewriter stuff last year, I thought I was going to hate it. I thought it was going to be a chore, and I couldn't have been more wrong the time other than when nobody was around, didn't go, couldn't go faster. A different Nick, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. It, you've, you've developed your confidence and you believe in the product and, and you're introducing something new and interesting, right? Right. And so you, there's a sense of excitement with that. But I think it's awesome that you did that in spite of the fact your history said, this is really uncomfortable and I'm going to hate this. You know, and that's, I think that's, that goes for all of us to be able to take a look and say, hey, um, don't prejudge it. Yeah, you know, dip your toe in there. If not, dip your toe in. Just go ahead and jump in and, and see what happens. You know, most of this stuff isn't fatal unless it's skydiving. That could be fatal. But you know what I'm saying? Most of these experiences might create a moment of discomfort, 
but nothing that's not survivable. Yeah, you're out a couple of bucks maybe for registration, but especially if you're doing something that you really love and you believe in, Yeah. right? Because I was, and I wasn't, I didn't even feel like I was selling stuff. I was just out there sort of with the stuff that I really enjoyed doing right. and talking to people about it. Here's a 3D printer. Here's how it works. Um, kids would come up and uh, once or twice somebody dropped their kid off and the kid would stare at the 3D printer for <laughs> half an hour while the parents went out and shopped and that was fine with that. Guess what? That's a whole new product right there, my friend. Yeah, it's 3D just 3D printer a, babysitter. I, I love it. Right. Everything about that because it's printing the things that you need to survive. Right? Just yeah. The kid just needs to know how to code. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's hilarious. I like that a lot. Uh, let's take a break. And we will come back with Bob Conscious after a song. We're going to play some Camp Cope. I just like saying that fast. Camp Cope. Camp Cope. How to socialize and make friends. We're going to play a song called How to Socialize and Make Friends. Sounds a little redundant. Let's I, I think that's something that you know a little bit about. <laughs> I have a couple friends. <laughs> uh, if you want to make friends with Bob, of course, uh, go to flightofideas.net. Check him out there. Check him out on Facebook and the social media. Wait, mediums, medias, mediae, mediae. Thank you, thank you. The the social cacti, uh, and you can learn more about Bob. Uh, if you miss any of the show today, it will be up on to a certain degree dot com or wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. I don't know any of the others. I didn't even know Stitcher. Stitcher. So that's, oh, it's on Spotify, too. You can listen to this on Spotify well, later I on. I like Spotify, actually. I'm yeah. a fan. Who doesn't like Spotify? Why wouldn't they? Pandora. Right. <laughs> All right. Camp Cope on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. Opera times call for opera measures. That's not a pun that I'll be using again. Opera del Sol hosts interesting and innovative events around Orlando to get people interested in the art form. In April, check out their free collaborative music festival featuring cool performances from Central Florida's top opera singers. Topra singers, if you will. Along with the music, there's going to be visual art, a market, and food trucks. It's free. And if you want to upgrade your seating and support the organization at the same time, 20 measly dollars gets you a VIP seat, one drink ticket, and an event swag bag. April 14th, starting at noon, visit operadelsoul.org for more information and follow them on Facebook. And we're back. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Antarctico Vespucci from the album Love in the Time of Email. The song was Kimmy. Before that, we heard from Camp Cope, the title track from How to Socialize and Make Friends. Good morning. Speaking of making friends, one of my friends is here. Actually, two of my friends are here. One of them is being very quiet, but... One of my friends, Bob Codges, is here. Good morning, Bob. I'm not often very quiet. No, that is something that. that you're not. Um, I have to admit, so if anybody's looking at Bob, uh, K-O-D-Z-I-S. Yeah. I often spell it with a G because that's how it's pronounced. Thank you, because you pronounce it perfectly, which most people, people who've known me for 20 years don't pronounce my name 
correctly. So, and it's Bob with one O. If you're writing me a note as well, yeah, in a silent queue. It's important to realize that. Um, Bob, where can we see you coming up, or do you have anything uh, going on? Are you a regular at SAC? I am. I am, although, you know, I when I'm teaching at SAC, you don't see me on stage as much at SAC because I try to meet out uh, how much time I spend in any given part of my life. I like to have a good portfolio, a good mix mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, but I perform there, I teach there, I host there. Um, and I love that place. It's just, it's it's full of people who... Uh, I love they're they're high energy, positive, really talented human beings. Uh, those of you who haven't been to SAC, uh, we do live comedy improv there, and uh, it's a it's an amazing art form that you should check out. If if not, take a class, go see a show. And for some people who know about improv, it's short form improv for yes. the most part. Yes, and the difference and is short form is it, uh, well shorter scenes. Uh, it tends to be more focused on humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's we do comedy sports as well uh, there, so it's competitions uh, for the audience's pleasure. The long form is um, slightly more complicated form of improv, where usually there's a theme that's established, and then the players will will derive different storylines and themes and characters from that original theme. And uh, there's a lot of time jumps, and it's really it's an amazing thing to watch. Teaching, I think I remember you saying that for the uh, one of the um, classes that you teach or the one that you like, I think the best is the intro class. That's that's all I teach right now. I mean, yeah. I, I'll do some lab rats workshops as well because I love my rats. Uh, but, yeah, I love to see people first touch the art form because first it takes some guts to, to step up and take an improv class. Uh, I see it uh, every class. There's a nervousness when they start. And there's an incredible uh, unified energy when they finish. And I'm looking forward to that now because my, my level one class is going to graduate this March 19th uh, after eight weeks of being together. Most of these people didn't know each other eight mm-hmm. weeks ago. And now they're going to know each other and love each other well enough to get on stage and, uh, and perform together. And improv is a little different because we're not scripted. We get up there without a thought in our heads, let the audience make a suggestion, and then we perform together and create something together spontaneously. So uh, it's, it's an exciting time. And so that's why I love Level 1, because it's the greatest distance a human being can travel in improv to go from zero to Level 1. After that, it's more information, more skills, more knowledge, but that initial leap, it's, it's life-changing for most people. So after that, it's more of your 10,000 hours, right? It's your yeah, practice, and exactly. you get to... I think one of the things you probably learn in the first class is to trust the people that you're in with that class, right? Yes. Uh, well, my, my first lessons focus largely on uh, forgiving yourself when you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And that takes a village as well, by the way, because if everyone else is judging you while you're forgiving yourself, it doesn't really work out that way. So we teach, we teach our students to forgive themselves when they make mistakes and to see mistakes as opportunities as opposed to something that's going to ruin your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the reality is we're making mistakes all the time uh, in life and especially on the improv stage. The difference is that when we're on the improv stage, we're trained well enough to not make our mistakes apparent. You know, they say that the master uh, weaver can weave the mistakes of his students into a greater pattern. And that's very often what we do in improv. When the mistake is made, we just normalize it and make it look like it's something that we meant to do, uh, which is kind of it's a little prestidigitation on stage. So that's, that's the essence. So, I, yes, I love level one is my absolute favorite. 
Is there another start coming up fairly soon? Yeah, it should be. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be right around the beginning of April okay. uh, for the new session uh, coming up. But we had, I think we had six level one classes this semester, which is wow. incredible. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of people. On average of, you know, 12 to 15 per class, that's a lot of people being introduced to the art of improv. So it's really exciting. So I'll be able to just walk down the street and just say yes and to someone and know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you, can, you can't swing your arms even in this room without hitting an improviser. It's a, it's a tiny room, yes. <laughs> that is your, that's and, the and point I think you're making. Uh, and then you also do the free classes. Again, I would have Yeah, we always too. start the semester with a free intro to improv class. Uh, we're also doing something now, and it's kind of interesting, called Improv for Anxiety, uh, which some people get anxiety at the thought of taking an improv class uh, our managing director, Chris Dinger, has come up with a curriculum to help people who have anxiety to use the art of improv to chill, to, you know, find a way to quell their fears and their anxiety and or, or channel them in ways that will allow them to be more productive and less, less uncomfortable. I like that. Uh, yeah, so that's – and it should be April. We should be starting up a new semester. And that free class, it's like a, it's 90 minutes of pure fun where mm-hmm. you get to actually – Try on improv and see if it's something that seems like something you'd like. Uh, we have an amazing uh, conversion rate, if you will, for people who actually step up and take that class and then decide, yes, I want to try this. Because uh, it's great life skills. That's the yeah. thing. I take improv more as a life skill than a performing skill. Yes, I'm a performer and I love to get on stage. Uh, but these skills have changed the way I view everything. Because when you say yes to the universe, um, you're saying yes to life. And the and part of yes and is you're adding value to that life. So you not only say yes to what the universe has to offer, you put a piece of yourself out there, uh, theme of the show, right, um, to add value to that situation. If everybody did that, the whole dynamic changes. I think that's an interesting point, though, is about, so on your average class size, and has this changed over time, do you know what about percentage are performers or people who want to be on stage or maybe at... Oh. versus, you know, more professional or traditional business people? I get about 50-50? an incredible mix. Yeah. I can't tell you how, how many people from technical fields show up. Yeah. P- people who are coders, people who spend their time behind a computer, and they're like, I want to shake this up. I'm going to step into an environment that's all human all the time. Because one of the keys of, uh, of improv is you have to be present. You can't escape. There's nobody on their phone during an improv class. You're going to be right there, you know, in, in the moment with your fellow players. That's how we get each other's backs. Uh, but I've had um, such a range. I've taught improv to uh, autistic kids. I've taught improv to uh, memory-challenged seniors. I've taught improv to the top internal auditing technology team at the Federal Reserve Bank. I've taught it at NASA. I mean, there's, there's no limits to the range of people who can benefit from it. In one class, I had, I had a, a lawyer with a uh, prosthetic leg, uh, which is only relevant when she chose to reveal that prosthetic leg in the middle of a scene. None of us knew she had a prosthetic leg. And then in the middle of the scene, she takes off her leg and threatens to hit one of her fellow players. And the whole room just was floored because... We're like, what just happened there? She, that's improv. You learn to really respond to that. I had a class that I had a, an 82-year-old woman who killed. This woman was fantastic. Um, I've had just a, a wide range. Professionals. Uh, when I get the professional actors, it's, it's kind of a gift for the whole group because they know how to have a stage presence and they inspire the other people with the means by which they perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And usually I get a couple of those per class. I have an amazing... Uh, 
puppeteer in my class right now, and I have uh, a number of actors in my class right now who uh, really are fantastic. I, I get so much joy watching them. And right now, where we're at in this current class, we're in the next-to-last class, so they've really developed their skills over the last seven weeks to be pretty phenomenal. Uh, and now I'm just looking forward to unleashing them on a live audience, and that will happen March 19th. Very nice. Uh, SAC.com for more information. Yes, SAK.com. SAK.com forward slash classes if you're interested in classes. But check out the website because they have a lot of different uh, classes that they offer. Uh, We have a lot of different classes we offer and uh, a lot of fun shows. A lot of fun shows. So Thursday night, I think, is a very exciting one. It's going to be an all-female improviser uh, show, I think, at 7.30 or 9.30. I can't remember, but yes. I'll that up. And this is, this is something that's coming up uh, at SAC a lot. We have some amazing female improvisers. Uh, there used to be, like, this stupid buzz around the improv world, and actually even around the comedy world, the, the women aren't funny, uh, which is the stupidest statement I think I've ever heard because I know a lot of really funny women and a lot of really talented women. And, uh, and there was a show, I'm trying to think of the name of the show, uh, that's coming up on Thursday night, but it is, it's a phenomenal uh, group of human beings, and uh, I love and respect them all. Let's take a quick break, and we'll find that, and we'll come back. We've got another hour with Bob Codges. The hour flew by. Yay! Wow. Because I'm a joy to talk to. And uh, <laughs> exactly. we'll come back with a lot more about uh, the shows coming up at SEC. Uh, and the theme for today, which is the power of putting yourself out there on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. Episode 99 with Victoria Walsh, also known as the Macrame Mama, was a while back. It's a really good episode. She's always busy, though, so you can catch up with her anytime, especially if you want to learn the art of nodding. There are plenty of opportunities coming up. On April 6th, she'll teach you how to make a plant hanger at the Art and History Museum of Maitland. April 13th is for the kids with a hike and weave. There's also an adult plant hanger class. Those are at Lou Gardens. Wall hangings are the name of the game on May 29th at the Orlando Museum of Art. Check out more dates at macramemama.com. That's M-O-M-M-A. Or search for Macrame Mama on Facebook. The Decemberists on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from their brand new album, I'll be your girl. That's how they meant it to be said. We all die young, which is an excellent, excellent theme for today's show. You're listening to Odd Numbers. My name is Nick. Uh, And actually, before that, we heard from Antarctico Vespucci from their new album, Love in the Time of Email. Email was the name of the song. We All Die Young is a great theme. Uh, Every week I do this show. Every week I have a very special guest. Bob Codges has returned to WPRK. To be my very special guest and to do sound effects. So also my Foley artist as well. We All Die Young may be the new theme. Uh, Yeah, that's good. I just listened to that thinking, what an uplifting little lilt you brought to us this morning. We All Die Young. I think the message here is, so do something now. Do something. So, you know, asking you what theme you wanted to do for so for returning guests, it's it's fun to do the interview and meet new people. But one of the things that I was missing last year, and I started doing this towards the end of the year, was bring people back. Yeah, I'm like, like I love. 
you let me come back. I was very, very delighted that I could sit here and face you and talk into a microphone again for a little while. Well, of course. You're a delight to talk to, as am I. You, you know something? <laughs> you say that facetiously, but, man, you are easy to talk to, and I, I, that's why we keep coming yep. back. That is. That is. Uh, but you said the theme needs to be the power of putting yourself out there. I was like, I love that. We I think what you said have was, to do that. I love that so hard. I love that because, so hard. Because it, it was, it, it, this is the thing. It's, I think everybody wants to put themselves out there. Yeah. I think you do put yourself out there. I know you do. I witnessed you put yourself out there. I probably could do more, but yeah, I, I definitely do. And I think that, you know, when you have that voice inside your head that's talking you out of it and, you know, well, I could just stay home. I need to do laundry. I could just stay home. I've got this big TV. Why do I need to go out and yeah. spend money? And you, because you know, there's all these these excuses. And I'll, I'll bring one up because it's something that I, I've really, really enjoyed. I didn't think I would. So I think that's the other part of it is you can go out and try something new. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. Like you don't have to feel this 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 guilt. Tried or rejected. this yeah yeah okay I did this I'm good. And, uh, you know, one of the things uh, a friend of mine reached out, he said, hey, there's this person who reached out to me. Uh, this is Ryan Rivas of Burr Press, friend of the show. He's coming back, I think, in the near future, as a matter of fact. And he was telling me about this person who reached out. They need writers for this, uh, this magazine that they're doing. And I said, well, what's a magazine? They don't have those anymore. <laughs> And uh, it was the downtown Orlando community paper. And so initially my thought was no, because they're just looking for writers. They're just looking for free content. And I picked one up and I thought, you know, this isn't, um, this isn't as good as I would like it to be. And what sparked in my head was, well, maybe I can make it better. Yeah, Why don't I, I meet with that person and just say, instead of saying, instead of them telling me what they want, let me tell them what I want to do. And if it doesn't match, I can walk away. I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to do anything like that. And I've been writing now for them for about, uh, I think this will be my fourth or fifth issue coming up. That's fantastic. So, yeah, so I've gotten to interview uh, the new police chief for Orlando, Orlando Rulon. I've gotten to interview uh, Emily Bonilla, who's one of the county commissioners, and really learn a lot about the people around Orlando. I've gotten to do a story about SAC, which you provided yeah. the, uh, uh, the images for. So also, you know, just writing about uh, the things that I'm passionate about in town. I'll be writing about the French Festival coming up, uh, breweries. So unfortunately, I'll have to go <laughs> to a couple of breweries and try out the beers and Theater things of that and nature. alcohol, things that Nick's passionate about. Oh, man, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough being me sometimes, Bob. I'll be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I like that you're choosing things that you're into, though. That's the thing. Well, and that's part of it, too, right? So I'm putting myself out there in something new, but I'm also grounding it in things that I love. Right. So you can do that as well. I think you should. I think you should infuse your whole life with things that you love. I think that's how I've evolved the career and the life that I have right now. I, when I do something and it feels great, I want to do more of it or do it in a different way. Or, you know, and so I've been kind of uh, brachiating from one adventure to the next, uh, Finding, feeling my way towards the things that I like the most. And it's not just hedonistic. It's, I mean, it's also impact. If I'm finding that I can have a really great impact on the world this way, uh, I'm going to lean that way. You know, I'm going to do what I can. But that choice, I think, is everything because you need to be able to sustain yourself when you put yourself out there. One of the things when you're putting yourself out there on a regular basis, it takes an extraordinary amount of energy. 
and attention. You're looking at things differently. It's like you're entering a new airport. You know, you walk into a new airport, you don't know where anything is. So you have to soak up everything to orient yourself and figure out where the important things are, where the other things are, and where you fit into the mix. And I feel like that, it takes a lot of energy. So you best have something that gives you some juice along the way. So if you can find a way to infuse something you love, and even into something new that you're doing, uh, it's going to sustain you better. It does for me anyways. But I'm always, I am... I can find something I love in almost every situation. That's a beautiful skill I've developed over life. To mm-hmm. catch people doing things right, to notice the positive things in the room. Some people think, oh, Bob's just a nice guy who says nice things all the time. No, I'm actually genuinely noticing this stuff and calling it out as I see it. Uh, and I hope people don't ever see it as disingenuous because it's never intended as that. I, I just happen to like to catch the good things uh, in the environment. And guess what? So I'm a lint trap of love, right? I'm, I'm scooping this all off the surface, and the result is a happy, light, enjoyable life. Very nice. Do you have examples of something that you were um, thinking, again, you were reticent to go into, and then it turned out to be like something that you started doing on a regular basis? Maybe it was a client or... Uh, actually, a few years ago, I, was, I, I had the opportunity to draw on the sidewalk for the first time. Oh, yeah. Uh, which... Which I, I'm an artist. I love to draw. I, I'm, I draw every day in one form or another. But this is big. I typically draw in eight and a half by eleven size sheets of paper or somewhere in that realm. Street painting. You're talking about five feet by five feet or twelve feet by twelve feet. It was a completely different realm. I had to relearn how to draw with large strokes that involved my whole arm and shoulders versus my hand and my wrist. Um, and I stepped into it really among giants i mean some incredible street painters were right alongside me doing their stuff and so it was painfully obvious that this was not my medium when i first stepped in Mm -hmm. Uh, but in the you know 15 years that have ensued since then uh, i have won a number of awards for my street paintings Uh, i i've developed a great sense of community and love for the other people who get on their hands and knees and draw for hours for the entertainment of other people uh, it's become a really wonderful thing. Getting into improv for the first time was was a new something. You know, doing Tai Chi for the first time. It's I find that um, if you have curiosity, uh, it's a lot easier to do this stuff. To say, oh, I, oh, I like wonder what that's like to do that. You and I have both done Pachaka Shower. We're talking about. You know, it's those are things that you have to make the commitment and then figure out how you're going to fulfill that commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, leap and then look. And then, at, but in improv, we're doing that all the time. We 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 love to say improvise faster than the speed of thought, so that you will say something, hear it come out of your mouth, and then go, okay, now I have to figure out what to do with that. That's easier than sitting in your head going, well, what am I going to say? Uh, so I find that that kind of approach, leap before you look, um, can be helpful at times. And I know we're warned against it, but I think what we're warned against is the fear of other people uh, that think that you're going to fail when you when you make these decisions and more or, or not, think that people care enough to really judge you right <laughs> right well you know because like, everyone's walking around in their own head going oh i'm worried about me i'm not worried about what bob's doing i all think that you're much. right you're yeah. right it's you know other than this radio station everyone's listening to wiifm right what's in it for me how does it affect me you know and i you know <laughs> I tend to not worry about what other people are thinking probably too often. Uh, and I, I care if people like me. I care mm-hmm. if uh, I don't want to embarrass anybody that I love. 
but I'm really comfortable embarrassing myself. I'm really comfortable putting my foot in my own mouth. I, I only open my mouth to change feet most often, so it's kind of a, it's a thing for me. Uh, but again, that whole concept of comfort from discomfort, uh, if you can find a way to get over that initial discomfort, the rewards that you get from really stepping out into a different world are, I mean, it changes your life. I'm going to Peru in a couple of days. Woo! I'm going to Machu Picchu. I've never been to Peru. I've never been to South America. Uh, I, I have been practicing mi español mm-hmm. and pretty poorly, but I can speak broken Spanish now. And I can you, you're going to ask where the library is, I si, would imagine. Si, donde está la biblioteca? <laughs> Gracias. Como has pasado las vacaciones de verano? That's how did you spend your summer vacation? Good. See, most of my Spanish came from high school. Yeah. I was the Spanish-speaking scholar in Saugus High School in 1980. Uh, do you know what they give the Spanish-speaking scholar at Saugus High School? Uh, for being that scholar, uh, they give you a Spanish-English dictionary. Oh, that's nice. It's, yeah, it's kind of a kick in the teeth when you spent five years studying Spanish. Because, uh, like, I mean, I could have used that when I was in seventh grade. But uh, now that I'm in 12th and I've been speaking Spanish for five years, not, <laughs> not so much. So, I, I, again, not to just throw out there, we're going to Peru. But one of the things that I love is travel. I think travel is a fast way to put yourself out there. You know, not just to Tampa or to Miami, but... Like leave the state, leave the country, leave your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, and go go where people don't look like you, don't sound like you. One of the coolest experiences I had was getting off of a cruise ship, the Disney Dream. Um, I was doing a conference on the cruise ship, and when we docked at NASA, I got was one of the first people off the boat, and I walked as far as I could walk away from that ship. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was hours of walking. I walked for three hours. We were at dock, I think, for eight hours that day. And uh, I walked to the point where I was the only white dude anywhere. And by the way, that's a, everyone should experience that. Uh, uh, what it feels like to be a minority in a genuine sense, to the point where you stand out. People are looking at you because you are different from everybody else who's available to be looked at. Uh, and it was a little unnerving, but completely fascinating to see what that feels like. It was the first time in my life that I had ever felt that way. And when I returned to the ship, I was actually uh, jubilant. I felt excited, like I had just had this experience that I had never had before uh, that made me look at everything kind of differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually shared this with, uh, with a, a few black friends of mine when I got back just to say, I, I got a, a taste of something I hadn't gotten a taste of before. And they, they kind of laughed at me and said, well, hey, now you know a little bit more, don't you? Uh, and, and I did. And I think that's part of what putting yourself out there is. It's about knowing a little bit more, uh, feeling more, experiencing more. It's your portfolio of life. I think there's, especially when it comes to travel, there's an intimidation factor, at least for me. Um, Europe, for example. Uh, the second time I went to Europe, the first time I went to Europe, I was 20 years old. Uh, and I was very intimidated by the history of it. I went to Greece. Oh, yeah. I saw family. But there's so much there to you know, sort of absorb, um, especially if you're you're from the place, mm-hmm. right, or your family's from there, this is the homeland or the motherland, however you want to uh, describe it. And I was very intimidated by the history because I felt like I hadn't accomplished anything. <laughs> and it was, it was dumb. I mean, it was 20 years old, we so everything was dumb at that point. But then going back uh, in my 40s and going to Barcelona and traveling, 
you know, with some people that I probably shouldn't have been traveling with. That you find out who your friends are and what kind of people really are when you travel with them. But going to Barcelona and visiting the Sagrada Familia in the morning, this huge cathedral uh, that the architect Gaudi, who does a lot of stuff in, in Barcelona, started uh, 100 years ago and won't be done for another 50 to 100 years because wow. they're doing everything old school by hand. But there's enough of it done that you can go in and walk around, and it's remarkable. It puts everything, and I don't not to um, say anything bad about the stuff that we create for the theme parks and that sort of thing, but it, it puts it to shame. Because it's all stone and it's all it's real. real. And it's there's this aspect of religion to it, whether you believe in that or not. It's a yeah. it's a religious experience going there. And then that evening there is a Picasso museum there, but it's all his very early work and all his very late work. Wow. So all the really famous stuff in the middle, all the, the blue period, and none of that's there. And I just remember feeling like, oh, okay. This, I'm not intimidated, I'm inspired. I just didn't realize that's what it was. So by going there, um, and it was technically part of my MBA trip, I wouldn't have gone there otherwise. I had this very visceral, very transcendent experience. And I was so happy for that afterwards. I was so appreciative and thankful for that. And that made me think that, you know, if I could do that, on, I don't have to go to Barcelona every time, although I'd like to. Right. <laughs> if anybody wants to sponsor me to go back and forth to Barcelona, I'd be happy to do the show there uh, once a week. Um, but, yeah, that idea that if you just, if you can do that on a smaller scale, if you can just go to an event, and it may not be a fit. It may not be something you could have done the chalk drawing. You may have tried it, said, okay, this isn't for me. I, I did Instead... You know- I've had that experience where yeah. I've said no. You know, I was I was on a show called Emotional Mojo. Uh-huh. Okay, I was invited to be a guest co-host for this. Is that show. emotional coffee? Uh, it's kind of <laughs> that would have been great. It's all about it's all about things that inspire and things that uh, that get people's juices going. And uh, and so I was the co-host of my, these very professional co-hosts, and I uh, had the little earplug in my ear with the producer speaking into my ear, and I was in a suit jacket and and. Sweating incredibly profusely, so incredibly. If you've ever seen the movie Broadcast News, James Brooks, uh, Albert Brooks, Albert in, Brooks in that yeah. movie, um, floods with sweat when he gets on camera. Well, this was me. I mean, I had my producer whispering in my ear, man, what's going on? Why are you sweating so much? Which, by the way, if you want someone to stop sweating, the last thing you want to do is say, man, why are you sweating so much? And what I found was um, I love the people but I don't really like to be on live-to-tape television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found uh, the experience to be more stressful than rewarding. I did it a couple more times after that, uh, but then decided, no, this is something that I'm, I'm not really that into. Mm-hmm. And I don't regret the experience at all. I can't watch television now without seeing, uh, a television news without seeing some memory in my brain of that experience and what I learned you know, during the time that I spent with my emotional mojo friends. Um, but yeah, it's guess what? Failures and, and things that you don't like are a part of the mix. How do you know what you do like if you don't encounter things that you don't? Right. And you don't know anything if you don't reach out there and touch stuff and find out. You know, I didn't know that fire hurt until I put my finger in fire. Now, mind you, I'm not putting my finger in fire anymore, but I know better because of that experience, right? So, so now anytime you see anything fire adjacent... I just basically drop into the field That's position. not for my finger. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Well, let's leave it at that before we go into the danger zone. Uh, Bob Codges is here, K-O-D-Z-I-S, if you want to look him up. Uh, the best way to find him is flightofideas.net. You can also catch him performing, instructing, and drawing at SAC Comedy Lab here in town, which is uh, one of the best places in the world. I'll put it out there. I know you would say that, too. I, it is for me. And it, guess what? World-class improv happens there. That's a, some great people there. Without a doubt. Uh, so if you want to learn more about the show that you're listening to, if you want to listen to this episode or back episodes, I have wonderful, wonderful people on every week. And for the most part, they do the talking, so you don't have to listen to me, which is nice. It's to a certain degree.com. You're listening to Odd Numbers on WPRK. Let's play some Courtney Barnett. This is from her new album, Tell Me How You Really Feel. Well, that's a good for the theme today. And you're listening to that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. This episode was recorded live on March 4th, 2019 on WPRK 91.5 FM. You won't find a better college radio station anywhere. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on it. It's college radio. You're going to hear stuff you wouldn't normally hear anywhere else and things that you haven't heard in a while. It's all volunteer based. So you've got people who are passionate about what they do and the type of music and talk they're bringing to the airwaves. And you can stream it anywhere you want. Just go to WPRK.org. You don't have to be on a radio or radio type of device to listen. There's always something interesting happening, so listen early and often. Courtney Barnett on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida, from Tell Me How You Really Feel. The city looks pretty. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to WPRK. Uh, This is Odd Numbers. My very special guest is Bob Codges, and I'm going to talk like this for the rest of the episode. (laughs) I am not going to talk like that for the rest of the episode. Thank you for that. Okay. Bob, uh, one of the things that you do is teach, perform, draw over at SAC Comedy Lab. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but March 7th, there's always incredible shows going on. Oh, yeah. But March 7th is a really fun one, a league of their own. Yeah, 930 uh, on uh, this Thursday coming up. uh, It's an incredible cluster of some of our best female improvisers and, and improvisers. I think that one includes improvisers from all different levels at SAC Comedy Lab, but it's just it's a great show. I encourage anybody to come on out and support that show uh, and see the cool things that they're doing. We're doing uh, Improv Bingo in the, the show before that, which is also a fantastic new show. So I would say check it out. Come come see Bingo and then stay for a league of their own. Sure. You'll be inspired and you'll love it. Uh, we've got some really gifted people there. If this is consider the concept, right? They have to take whatever the audience offers them and create something that makes it worth the price of admission, and uh, and they do it every time. I, I very often host shows, and it's one of my favorite roles to play because I get to watch the show while I'm participating in the show, and uh, and to watch my friends that blow the minds of an audience because it doesn't seem like it's made up because they're so good at making it. Yeah. Happen. Because there's so much trust and there's so much experience oh, yeah. and all of those things. That's, yeah. that's the thing that comes with it, too, trust. You know, it's a, yeah. that's actually even going with this theme of today's show. Uh, 
there's a lot of trust involved with being able to put it out there. You know, um, talking about me leaving the corporate world, well, my wife had to trust me uh, in that instance that I was going to be able to make things work uh, in order for that to happen. In the world of improv, you know, people would step in and take a class, have to trust that the person they've put themselves in the hands of will take care of them and not humiliate them and allow them to grow. And it's, a, it's actually a very personal thing to learn improv with other people because you're exposing yourself to them. Uh, and and really burying your souls at some points uh, because you don't know what's going to come out of you when you really relinquish yourself to the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most often it's delightful and incredible. Sometimes it's a little horrifying. But uh, but when you have the people around you supporting you, you are encouraged to do whatever it is that you need to do and know that you're going to be safe and taken care of. Well, yeah, you're going to fail in front of people. Yeah. And we are, I think it's professional wrestling. I think I read somewhere or I heard from an interview or something, that the hardest thing to learn in professional wrestling is falling. Yeah. Right? Because everything you do in your life prevents you or you're, you're trying to prevent yourself from falling. And so they have to fall literally constantly. You have to fail at improv before you can get good at improv. I and love that metaphor. In your failing, you can make something new, right? Yes. So I see that... Um, I got really into this was a an exercise in uh, trying to get myself to the point where I wasn't looking for validation and I wasn't looking for a response. I bought a typewriter a couple of years ago and I said, I'm going to do analog Yelp reviews. I'm going to send a letter to a business that I like and tell them why I like it. And so I started doing that. And I took pictures because I wanted to have a record of my own for it. But what I realized very quickly was I have to be okay with whatever the person does with it. If they post it and thank me, if they put it up in their business as sort of a little display, if they throw it in the garbage or, you know, and this is the thing that always concerned me, if they never got it, even that I have to be okay with. I can't go in and like, Hey, I'm the guy who did that. Did you get it? What did you think? Like, that's the, the the entire point of the exercise was just to put that thing, put that positivity out there, into and not the expect anything in return. I love that. Yeah, that's- it was really a lot of fun. I want to get back into that. But one of the things about writing on a typewriter is you make mistakes, <laughs> and those are painful mistakes. They I remember are. those days. They are, but the thing I, I really try to do, and we had a typewriter meetup not too long ago. I put this out there into social media world, and into Facebook. There's a, a typewriter yeah, group. Yeah, so I put it out there because I, I was like, you know, I really enjoy typewriting. I know other people have typewriters. I wonder if we were to get together, what would happen? So I put it out there on Facebook. I posted it to a few people. We ended up having about 15, 20 people show up. That's about amazing. Four, besides me, four other people brought their machines out. <laughs> and so like, we had like electric, like, I mean, we had manual, we had a couple of typewriters that had a cursive font on them, wow. which was amazing. Now, are we talking about uh, IBM Selectric balls on these things, or are we talking about old school? Old school, for the old most school, part, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember those two. And that, to tell you something, that that's like learning to play piano. There's a certain amount of heft you have to. Snap oh, on the manuals, down. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, that's a, I, it's it's that's hilarious to me. But that, beyond that, you have to you have to learn how to write again. You have to learn about how to think about what you're writing without editing, and that's where the I think the improv skill kind of comes into that, which is 
okay, if I mess up or if I use the wrong word, I have to just keep going. Like, let's not recycle a bunch of cards. Let's not do the classic trope in movies and stuff where you take the sheet of paper out, crumple it up, and shoot a basket, whether even if you're recycling it. Right. Like, don't do that. Just keep writing. Wow. Worst See. case scenario, maybe exit out and just keep writing. Show the person that you made a mistake. Show the person what your intention was. I think that's really awesome and yeah. cool. I do something similar in my, uh, my real-time drawing. I do something called graphic recording, and that is I'll be hired by uh, the producer of a conference or a company that's doing a conference, and my job is to draw while their speakers talk. So while the speakers are talking, I'm drawing a mind map of the entire conference on the wall. It creates a, a real kind of an ongoing record of what's been happening throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Creates an awesome selfie spot for the people who attend, the, and it's kind of entertainment for the people who are there. However, when you're drawing in ink on paper in front of a live audience and you're writing words down, things happen, you know. And and so you have to find a way to make the drawing work. And it sounds very much like what you're talking about in terms of making the document work that you create on your typewriter. Yeah. Um, you you have to improvise. You have to take what you've got and say, how can I make this close to the message that I was intending to deliver rather than exactly the message because I just screwed up. Uh, and I think that's, a, that's kind of the, the right sizing of life. You know, I, one of the things that I love about your typewriter experience, experiment experience is that you are putting it out there with no, with no discernible means of getting back. We're in a, a feedback-soaked environment now, mm -hmm. right? You can't put something out there without somebody commenting on it left or right. And what you're saying is, these are my intentions articulated as best I can articulate them, and I'm sending it off, and what will be will be. Even the concept of them throwing it away after you labor it on a manual typewriter to express your feelings seems a little sad to me, but your willingness to allow that happen seems kind of heroic to me. It's mm -hmm. just that, guess what? I've just made a decision about what I'm putting into the universe regardless of anything else. And that kind of makes me want to change the way I view social media. That it's that rather than seeking a response, that you just put it out there. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes that'll get you in trouble. And I have, you know, you've seen some of my social media posts. Most of them are extremely positive. Some of them are angry and some of them are frustrated because of the state of the world and, and specific leaders that we have uh, who I feel are, are creating challenges. Uh, real but challenges. I think you're, you're, you're coming at it from. A place of honesty, though, you're venting and you're hoping, I think, and I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I think you're hoping to get some feedback that will help you, that will I, help you process, that will help you put things in context, not making excuses. No, I think, I think you're absolutely means. right. And I think uh, I have people, I have people who expect only sunshine and roses from yeah. Bob. And they express that to me in private that, you know, I, I really like positive Bob. You know, it's like, well, he's in there, you know, stick around. You'll see him again. However, right now, Angry Bob has the mic and uh, and we are handing this back and forth. And I, I do think it, is, it comes from a place of, of honesty and a place of frustration. And part of it is maybe this is this is, relates to you putting it out there from your typewritten letters that I'm just putting it out there so that it is out of me. So that I had this to express and now maybe I can move on to do other things rather than lament uh, you know, I, I heard a, someone talking about this speaker um, who got in front of an audience and he said, let me tell you something. And he tells them a joke and the audience cracks up. They love the joke. And then he goes, but wait, let me tell you this. And he tells them the exact same joke. And a little bit of laughter that second time he goes, but wait till you hear this. And he tells them the exact same joke a third time and nobody laughs. 
And he says, you know, it's rather curious to me that you won't laugh at the same joke more than once, but you'll cry over the same experience over and over again. And it thought to me, that's, there's a bit of eloquence there, right? To mm-hmm. say, we choose to relive the negative versus reliving the positive. You know, we've judged oh, for it. sure. And yeah. now, and so I think that uh, that lamenting does not serve us well. You know, we have to have the experience, get over it, take what you can from it, the benefit of it, and then move on. You know, and that's what I try to do in most of my life. But sometimes in a social media realm, this is the thing. Things never die in social media. You know, it's like it's always out there. You can delete it from your profile. It's still out there. You know, people share. And so that's the nature of the beast. So you taking a typewritten paper and hand mailing it through U.S. Postal Service, right? Um, That's something. That's some, some old school cool coming from a guy who's a maker as well, mm-hmm. right? So you are this paradox. You are that Picasso display, by the way, in living feature because your typewriter is his early work, your maker fear is his recent work, and you found a way to make them coexist in the same space. That's putting it out there in a very different way, right? I mean, that's kind of cool to me. Let me ask you this. So you're going to Peru. Yeah. This is a first-time experience for you putting yes. yourself out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about the the idea of this theme of, you know, taking chances and doing new things and trying it out. I was looking at it going, well, you know what I've never done is actually kind of tried to plan out some of these things that I want to do. You know, Pachacacha came up kind of organically. Uh, the ability or the idea to do markets came up kind of organically. It wasn't a, a, a year-long plan that I lived up to. And I'm looking at the things that I want to do to get outside of my comfort zone a little bit or at least connect with things that I either used to connect to or want to connect to. Do you have a list like that? Is it is it travel mainly? Or are you looking at the countries that you want to go to? Or are there other things that, you know, you're looking to connect with? Right now, it's an interesting time for you to ask that question because I feel like I am in a free float, uh, which is different than a free fall because it's far less scary. Uh, I, I, I'm not choosing my direction right now uh, fully. I'm, I'm kind of waiting for things to show themselves and then I act upon them. There, I mean, there are sometimes when I say, oh, I want to do this or I want to do that. Uh, and like when I did the, the Chinese martial arts tournament, that was almost a year in planning. I trained for that. I, yeah. you know, I, but, but most of the stuff that I'm dealing with, they're more spontaneous than that. I'll, I'll hear about something and spark will go off and I'll say, oh, I want to try that or I want to do that. And then I just go do it. Um, there are a few things that, you know, I clearly I want to I want to touch all of the continents, except I'm not really that crazy about Antarctica as a concept just because it seems awfully cold. <laughs> just a little Although bit. getting warmer, people. Um, so, I, you know, but I want to I want to travel the world extensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to touch as many lives as I possibly can. You know, I'm trying now to figure out what do I do with my philanthropic model that will set a stronger example so other people will join me. The whole concept of my buy one, give one concept was I'm asking people to gift me to not-for-profit so they can share in the joy of giving because it is a joyful thing. But it's also what the world needs. So I'm trying to figure out how I can do that. And that will probably lead me down a bunch of different paths uh, in pursuit of trying to have a greater impact. Because, you know, earlier in my life, I was like, I was... I was all about the base. And when I said it, it was just like the, I was going for cash. I wanted to earn as much as I could. I wanted to, to I thought I wanted to be rich before I ever had a family. Uh, my family taught me better than that. Uh, and 
now I'm in this point in my life where I, I want to have an impact. I want to, I want to help. I want to mm-hmm. affect things. And uh, and I'm struggling a little bit to figure out what the best possible path is. So in the process, I'm giving away a bunch of stuff, and uh, I'm really listening closely as I immerse myself in these different environments to see what turns me on and what what will help me to progress in that realm. I think the things for me this year, you talk about the work that you do with the nonprofits is is some sort of volunteering. Yeah. Right. I used to be on the board at Second Harvest Food Bank. But yeah, I love those folks. I just, they're I just amazing. worked with them last week and uh, they really they really moved me. I mean to me, and not this is not to take away from any of the other nonprofits or any of the other organizations, but I just think one of the most well run organizations, period. Clearly nonprofit or otherwise with what they're able to Crypto do and, and his team are, are, yeah. are awesome. And guess what? They are true social entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have taken their ability to feed people and turned it into a way to earn money to keep the enterprise going so they can continue to feed more and more people. I was supposed to be a keynote speaker and a facilitator for them much earlier this year, uh, but they had to put it off because they were going off to save the world somewhere else. I mean, they were, there was like, someone needs us. The Justice League has been called and they need food. And, you know, Second Harvest shows up with all of their uh, great ideas and great food and, uh, and put it out there. So, yeah. yeah. I love it. And what, what else well, have you done? So I, I think that's what I'm looking for is this year, what is that volunteerism? What, are, what is the thing that I'm doing? Um, and, you know, I used to think of this as, well, what am I going to do to show my kids? And it's like, that's that's important. Mm-hmm. But what am I going to do to satisfy myself? Uh, see, that's showing so, your kids right, right there. That's the whole thing is is you showing them that choosing something that turns them on is important, more important mm-hmm. than choosing something that turns you on as their father, right? And so I always try to teach my kids uh, about the fallibility of human beings so that they didn't set their expectations too high of me. Uh, but it's also to say, look, you, as you're becoming an adult human being, need to grow comfortable with the fact that you're going to screw up, you know, and I'm a screw up. Uh, mom's a screw up. We're all screw ups. You know, the prize goes to the people who get over that and learn the lesson and move on, not the ones who avoid any kind of screw up. Right. In fact, that's a that's a more dangerous way to live. If you're trying to avoid making mistakes, you're going to make more, and they're not going to be the ones that you enjoy. So, so just go out there and live your life, make the mistakes that you're supposed to make, and enjoy what you get out of them. It, they should take you closer to where you want to be, not further away. So, right. that's how I live. I think one of the other ones for me, and this is a, a long seated one in terms of uh, sort of being in my own head about it, is church. So finding a church, uh, so growing up in Daytona, we went to the Greek Orthodox Church. It was very close-knit. It was very much a community. And so I understood church to be the Sunday morning, two-and-a-half-hour service. Uh, and that, two that's, and a half hours. Oh, it's a yeah. long service. I don't know if it's changed with the times, but, you know, as much as possible, they tried to be uh, as closely resembled to what was happening in Greece and what traditionally had happened. That's a long time to wait for the years. baklava bake sale, wasn't it? That's a long time to wait for food because <laughs> right. we had to fast in the morning. Oh, my. That's, yeah. Guess what? That's sacrifice, yeah. right? That's... So I remember being an altar boy for a while and probably, I mean, God knows because he's seen it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, getting the communion bread, and we had bread. Like yeah. there wasn't wafers. Greek bread for communion is, is fairly sizable. But, you know, eating some of that in the back um, because we were starving. Because when as an altar boy, you had to get there even earlier. Wait a minute now. So does that make you 
more blessed because you consumed the holy bread, or does it make you cursed because you ate the holy bread in the I back? think it was before it was anointed. <laughs> okay. I don't know that we ate it after that. All right. That's, or whatever that's, the term is. I was, I was always jealous of the churches that had, like, like real bread. I grew up Catholic. Oh, real bread and real wine. And we got these we got these little wafers. Yeah, that, um, and grape juice. So, yeah. Uh, and no, we didn't get any juice at all. There was no liquid shared at, at my church growing up. Yeah, oh, wow. and I'm I'm no longer Catholic. I I mean I was Catholic uh, through my childhood, and I don't you know I don't I don't have religion in my life right now. But I'm really okay with that. I have spirituality, and I have a belief in, right. in God and in uh, incredible universe that we live in. I mean I'm in awe, and I'm a very curious person. But I have to tell you, I've not throwing the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to churches because there's some things I love about churches. Right. I, mean, I love church buildings. I love walking in a church building. It's like, this was built as the house of God. And so people were thinking differently when they built this place, right? Mm-hmm. And I love the smells of, of those spaces, especially the really old churches. And stained glass is so incredible when the light is shining through it. And the music is awesome. And the sense of communion that you have when you're in this room full of people I mean, I get that now with Tai Chi, as silly as it sounds. You know, it's a, my, my Shifu actually even refers to it as church sometimes when he's saying, you know, sometimes you learn new things and sometimes you come just to be a part of this congregation, this group. Right. Uh, and so there's so much that I love about, uh, about churches and religions, but I haven't spent a lot of time in them other than as a tourist. But every city that I go into, I end up inside a church one way or another. And, uh, and I, I like that experience. So you're going to find a church. That's I it's on my list for this year, but I, oh, I think you leave yourself a back door to back out of that. Or I what? am because I am still a little <laughs> bit scared of it. Well, so every time I've gone since then is not to a Greek Orthodox church. There's one here, um, but I've tried other churches because I had some other personal experiences in the Greek Orthodox church involving uh, my mom getting divorced and then sort of. Uh, her being a pariah in the church after being such a big part of the community for so oh, long. I don't think that would happen today, but at the time when it happened, a long time ago, uh, my sister becoming uh, an Edwin mother and being sort of pariah in that sense, they wouldn't let her baptize her son at that particular church. So there was this sort of chip on my shoulder yeah. with that part of religion, but still being spiritual, still wanting to uh, reconnect with that. But nothing has felt right. Mm. So very, I've gone to Catholic churches, I've gone to Presbyterian, I've gone to more progressive churches, and just because what I grew up in was what I was used to, yeah, that's it. It just seems so different to me. That and it, not to say that it's not right, but it just doesn't feel right to me. Well, and you're seeking you're seeking comfort. This is an interesting paradox, right? Because you're experiencing discomfort, seeking comfort. Yeah, right. And you, uh, you have to you have to you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find a prince kind of a concept, right? That's exact, when I think of churches, that's the analogy I think of. Yeah. Kissing frogs. <laughs> <laughs> Kissing frogs with big chunks of holy bread in your hand. Mm-hmm. I get that. Just a handful that's, of just <laughs> double fisting communion bread. Uh, that is interesting, though. That's, I, I think that's fascinating as a part of your journey. I, I too, have kind of had a little bit of an urge to, to congregate. Uh, to, but, again, I have to... I, I try to avoid being controlled by other human beings. Sure. One of the things, I'll be honest with you, that does make me a little crazy is, is the issue of control. Of course. And so, so I'm, I don't want to be controlled. I want to be supported. I want to be connected. Uh, and, I, and I want to do good with other people. You know, I think that's it. My religion right now is humanism. You know, it's, I, 
I believe in human beings, mm-hmm. and I try to do my best to help them to help themselves. You know, I, now I'm really getting on the kick of trying to help them to stop destroying the planet. Uh, and that's and I have some friends who are doing an amazing work uh, in that realm. That's another realm that I know nothing about, and yet I feel like I need to step in and find a way to be of value uh, because I see stuff changing a lot faster than it should be. And that's not the kind of discomfort that I'm comfortable with. Bob, I can talk to you for eight more hours, but we have to go. Oh, man. It's this such a shame. It's just delightful. This was so much fun. Thank I, you so I, much for I hanging out today. To you. I, you know, I hope that we don't have to wait another you know couple of years before I can sit in this exact spot and listen to you talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can listen anytime at toacertaindegree.com. And basically, if you want, what I can do is an episode just for you where I'll just have, uh, I'm talking to somebody else, but I'll mute out their parts so you can fill in those parts. I I'm in. Okay. Let's do this. We'll do that. All right. Good. Uh, so March 19th is your class. Grad show, 7 o'clock, March 19th. Let's fill the house. These people will blow your minds. They've only been doing this for eight weeks, but you'll be amazed with what eight-week students can do on stage. That will be fantastic. I will be there. Um, a League of Their Own is happening on March 7th. So yeah, this Thursday. Go check it out, 930 Support our ladies of improv. They're, they're really phenomenal. You will love what they do. You can learn everything about classes and the shows and everything else at SAC.com. You can learn everything about Bob at flightofideas.net and follow him on the Facebook as well. Uh, I've got shows coming up. Uh, artist Samantha Schuma- Shoemaker, I found out is how you pronounce her name, not Schumacher, is coming up on March 11th. I'll actually be at the Winter Park Library on uh, Saturday for Black Cow Jumps. I'll be performing there oh, cool. with Banks Helfrich and the other team members there. It is a free show. Uh, according to the website, it's sold out, but it, there's a waiting list, and if you just want to show up, I'm sure you'll be fine. And then March 18th, Hap Aziz will be returning. I think we'll probably do some sci-fi talk. Nice. I think we'll geek out then. Awesome. So, Bob, thank you so much. Let's shake hey. hands on the air because I think that's that awesome. for good radio. Because everybody to feel that. Right yep. on. Uh, Morgan Saint, uh, ironically enough, is uh, coming up next with from their album Seventeen Hero, actually an EP Seventeen Hero. This is you, you on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to Odd Numbers. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to Odd Numbers, episode thirteen. Where do you go from here? Obviously, subscribe to this podcast. Tell all your friends, leave a review, follow on all the social medias, visit to a certain degree.com. That's T O A certain degree.com. Beyond all the usual podcast related stuff, though, I would encourage you to take a chance. Put yourself out there. Maybe it isn't a fit, but maybe it becomes your new favorite hobby, or maybe even it leads to a new career. You won't know if you don't try that obviously sounds a bit trite and not unlike a bumper sticker i can say as a recovering introvert it's not always comfortable i still feel like an alien and an outsider at times but i'm almost always glad i made the effort thank you for making the effort to listen all the way to the end that's amazing nice job thanks for listening if you're still listening at this point hit me up on social media and i will take you out for a free coffee at Publix. That's what I'll do. Thanks for listening. I'll truly miss our little chats.